0: On the latest episode of Real Health With Me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by trichologist Claire Fulham, chatting all things hair loss.
1: I remember then going, I'm losing a bit more hair, like I could see hair everywhere. It was all okay, over my desk well, and work okay. everywhere. And so I went to my GP, she found five big patches on my scalp, one the size of my fist. So I was like, right, what am I going to do about this? Give me a plan. She just looked me dead in the eye and said, there's nothing we can do. I went on lists for dermatologists. She had a cancellation and she very quickly said, yes, you have alopecia areata.
0: As ever available on all podcast platforms. Today on the Indo Daily, the mystery behind a gruesome double murder in a lonely Longford village.
1: It was a bitter winter's day in 1986, and as he left the church in the village of Ochnicliff in North Longford after the funeral, I approached Albert Reynolds, the local TD, and I asked him if he knew why the man and woman had been murdered. I'd tell you if I knew, but to be honest, I haven't a clue, he said, as our frosty breaths merged in the cold November air. I knew her well. She was a constituency worker of mine and helped out at elections. But I didn't know your man at all.
0: I'm Fianon Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Liam Collins, journalist with the Sunday Independent, who reported on this story at the time and is revisiting it now, all these years later. Liam, can you take us back to the mid-80s in Longford and around about the village of you Now, People in Ochnacliff would argue a town rather than a village, but nonetheless, what was life like there at the time? 37 years ago it
1: was there was wasn't the kind of wealth or the cars or the houses that there are now it was a much more basic kind of place a nice a uh, nice little town and um, quiet place that you know even the longford papers when i worked there not a lot happened in Cliff. not really a place that was on the on the map for any particular reason
0: yeah, there was a particular reason, though, in 1986. Uh, and it even brought the likes of yourself down from Dublin to, to cover.
1: The Guardies say they don't know of any motive for the killing of Thomas Taff and Marie Myrta at this lonely farmhouse at Clonback in North Longford sometime over the weekend. So I was dispatched down after reports of um, a double murder, uh, quite close to the village, my news editor said to me you're you're know your way around Longford. I want you to go down there and find out uh, what really happened because it was a huge mystery as to um as to how why two people had been um basically executed in cold blood, and there was very little information coming from um any sources down there. Who were the victims?" The victims were a woman called Mary Murta, she was uh, 43 years old, she, was, she had a, a farm and she had a little tin shop in the nearby hamlet of Lega, where she sold some very basic kind of groceries and the newspapers and she lived in this old style farmhouse out in the middle of the countryside between Ochnacliff and Lega. There was a Tom Taff who was uh, 50, and he had been in a neighbor of hers, and he had been in bad health. And after his mother died, he needed someone to look after him, as they did in those days. And so he moved into her, her farmhouse. And it was a big, um, big enough farmhouse for the area.
0: They weren't in a relationship. No, no, no.
1: There was no romantic entanglement or involvement. He had a few acres as well and uh, she seemed to be the the, um, the driving force, if you like. She had the shop, she dealt in cattle and she had the farm. So they, they pooled the resources and uh, they worked together. He, as I say, wasn't very well and so um, she was the main um, farmer, if you like, in the household.
0: What do we know of that Day and that night of Saturday, November 15th, 1986?
1: It was November, so it was around 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening and uh, the roads would have been very, very quiet at, at that time and they still are today. And um, they drove the cattle along the road. She was in her car, a Volkswagen, and he was in a van that he had and they got the cattle to the bit of... Um, the other piece of land and on the way back they called to a house um, of a girl who sometimes worked in the shop and um, Mari Murta told this girl that they would be opening the following morning the Sunday morning Uh, usually pretty early because people were calling for papers and you know farmers were up early doing jobs and chores and and going to mass it was as we know in, in 86 virtually every person went to Mass.
0: And then, at what point are concerns raised? Every day the shop is beside the church below, like church. And she sold the papers there daily and everybody got their paper there on a Sunday morning there was no shop open and there was no shop opened on Monday
1: The shop didn't open, which was on Sunday morning so people after mass were kind of standing around the front door and uh, wondering what what it was um why she wasn't there because she wasn't a woman not to you know to turn away business so um they stayed around for a couple of hours and Basically, it was November weather, they went back to their houses and it was more or less forgotten about. And then the following morning, which was the Monday, the shop didn't open again, so people were getting curious. It was eventually the priest who decided he'd go down to the house uh, on the Monday evening and uh, see if... They were in trouble. Basically, he was going down on a, uh, you know, mercy if they needed to help. Him. Maybe they were ill or something like that and he needed to get them
0: at dinners or whatever. What did the the, the local priest discover at the scene?
1: The local priest was a, um, Father Eugene Cox. He arrived at the, the house. The front door was closed. Um, there were lights on. He tried the back door, which normally would have been open, but it was blocked from the inside by a broom or a, a brush handle. And he gave it a shove, and in he went. He noticed that um, the range had gone out, and you know, in 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 country, as you know, at that in those days, the range went on, probably was on twenty-four hours a day, basically, because that's the. Only heat they had, and they used it for cooking. And the range was gone out. There was sausages on the, in the pan, which was on the range. There was a, a carton of milk on the table, and he thought this is this is really unusual. Um, and then suddenly he looked further past the table, and there were the two bodies lying on the floor. And obviously he was shocked and and stunned. I mean, it
0: was the last thing he had expected to happen. And they were kind of lying in a V shape, as as though both had fallen backwards. That's
1: right. They 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 were lying in a V shape, and it later emerged that Mary Murta had been shot in the Head and the abdomen, and um, Tom Taffer being shot in the head, and you know it was very, very clinical. Whoever had had uh, had carried out this operation.
0: Fair to say as well that bemusement, bafflement, confusion.
1: Now, people uh, at the time, there were said there was no motive, there was no money missing, there was no. Feud in the family. There was nothing that to give an indication. I mean, it was so, it looked so random and yet so deliberate that everybody was very, very puzzled. It did emerge later that there was about six thousand pounds in cash was missing from the house. It was a huge amount of money at that time, especially um, in cash. But then You know, not everybody uh, put their money in the bank in those days. So it it might have been accumulated over, you know, a period of time. But yeah, it was missing. It it was only discovered much later that it was missing.
0: And you were at the funeral of Mary Murphy? Yeah,
1: I went to the funeral. I remember it was a very frosty morning. I nearly crashed the car going down from Dublin got talked to Cliff and the funeral was already on but I stood in the back and one of the first people uh, to come out of the church was uh, Albert Reynolds who I knew very well from Longford because I had worked for him in in a newspaper he owned there i thought this is it i'm definitely going to get the story here so i said it to albert uh, what you know, what happened can you give me an idea and he said Liam, I don't have a clue," he said. "I knew she was a, a Fenafall supporter of mine," he said, "and she did some work at elections." And he said, "I didn't know T- Mister Taff at all. Um, I don't know what. Uh, I have no idea what's going on here." But he says very, very mysterious. And he said, "You know, he was the kind of man who he was. He liked to know what was happening. That was part of his his business as a politician." And he said. He was quite baffled, and then he pointed across the fields, and he said, well, Hubert Reynolds of the murder squad was born over there. He he might know something, and I'll give him a ring later on, um, and uh, we parted like that. I then uh, went into Ockner Cliff, because the parish priest at the time was a fellow called Father John Corkery, and he had been a great friend of my mother's, and I said, he'll know. He hadn't any knowledge either, so... It was really baffling and um, I was in a quandary, you know, I I, I was expected to file a story um, for Sunday. So we're talking about Friday, you know, around lunchtime and I didn't have a thing and I wondered what I'd do. Would I go back to Dublin and make a few phone calls. Um, But for some reason, I decided I'd drive into Longford, uh, go into the Longford Arms and have a bowl of soup and a sandwich and see if I encountered anybody who, who might be able to tell
0: me. Who did you bump into inside in Longford and tell us? <laughs> well, I cannot <laughs> and actually. And you bumped into for quite a long period of time. I, did. I was leaving. I had my soup
1: and sandwich and then I encountered this fella that I knew and he said, as they'd always say, you know, what, what, are you, what in the name of Jesus are you doing down here? So I, I explained and this uh, friend said to me, listen, he said, I know exactly the guy who will tell you what happened. And I was kind of so desperate, I said, all right, wh- what do we have to do? Well, well We'll have to go around, we'll have to have a pint first, and then we'll have to probably go around a few pubs, but we'll definitely meet him." And uh, so the afternoon <laughs> was spent uh, meandering up and down various pubs in, in Longford. And for some reason, maybe it was he was hearing something from other people. But we, we came back to the Longford Arms and I think it, it, it was half seven or eight o'clock uh, in the evening at this stage. And uh, I was certainly beginning to think I was sold a pup, you know, that he just wanted somebody to new to have a drink with because, you know, the way they'd get tired of the same crowd all the time. And uh, but, but, you know, I was so far in at this stage, I knew I wasn't going to get back to Dublin, so we sat and had another drink in, in the Longford Arms. So he suddenly stood up and he said, Jeez, there's your man over there. You stay where you are, I'll I'll go and talk to him and I'll bring him back to you. And that's exactly what he did. What did uh,
0: this individual who, who he was bringing you the font of all knowledge, what did he have to tell you? This individual...
1: Basically, looked at me and he said, "Yeah, Sunday Independent." Yeah, he says, "Well, what do you want to know?" And I says, "Well, I want to know what happened and why, if you can tell me." And he said, "Well, I can tell you that uh, they were shot by loyalists," and I was astonished at this. And I said, "How do you mean loyalists?" He said, "Loyalists from Derry." He said. Mary Morta was involved in a little bit of cattle smuggling um and these she was involved with these people and at the time, you know the border was was very porous there was cattle and uh, and mark diesel and they were they were innocent in comparison to some of the stuff that was going over and back but um Apparently, there was a row over money and uh, four people arrived had arrived on the Saturday night in a car uh, and they two of them, I think, went into the house, according to uh, this informant of mine. A row developed between them and Mary Martha, and they literally just picked up a gun and shot her. Tom Taff was totally innocent as far as he said uh, his information was that he just happened to be there at the time, and because he might have recognized them, they didn't want any loose ends, and they basically just shot him
0: dead. This was not uh, a, a story without foundation. Uh, as as it turned out, what, what, what happened oh, no. with the investigation? Well, also?
1: what I said to him first of all, or sorry, at the, after he told me, I said, "Why are you Why are you telling me this?" I said, "I'm from the Sunday Independent, and uh, you know, he had give, intimated to me that the lads who he didn't um, he didn't identify." But the lads in the area knew the had had supplied him the information, or he was privy to to what they were saying. And basically, the lads were um, either IRA people or IRA supporters who watched the roads. They used it for their own purposes, and obviously, they had a lot of intelligence. And the people had been seen coming and going. Although this information was never imparted to the Garda, and. I said, well, why are you telling me? I mean, the Sunday independent wouldn't have been particularly friendly at the time. And he said, look, we just want you to feck off out of here and we want the guards to feck off. So the sooner this uh, is all cleared up, the better for us and we can get back to normal, uh, resume normal um, operation.
0: Yeah. So from the IRS perspective, A... They didn't want to be suspected of of, oh, of no, this murder no, because it seemed no, because to be it quite professional. Yeah, yeah. and likewise, they had activities, shall we say, along the board that that the extra police presence wasn't helping with. Absolutely, yeah,
1: okay. yeah. Then he said, "I can tell you who the murderers were," and he he gave me the names of uh, the surname of people he said were involved. Yeah,
0: and. As the investigation progressed, this did seem to be the route it went down. It did. A lot of things
1: happened quite soon afterwards. Um, uh, One being that Desi O'Hare kidnapped uh, John O'Grady, the dentist. And obviously, that was such a sensational case and it went on for I think a couple of weeks a nationwide manhunt yeah Nation- nationwide manhunt a, a man and whose shootout. fingers been cut off um and sent in the post to his relatives and uh, a, yeah shoot out down in Kilkenny so and it was shifting all the time so this double murder in Longford got forgotten about really in that whole um all the activity that followed and also a, a thing that and I've often come to um Reflect on it. There were no pictures of either of them, so the media, you know, after the initial um, interest and the mystery of it, the media had moved on. And because there were no pictures of the people involved, and they didn't have children, they did have relatives. But you know, if you have very close relatives, and they uh, a husband or a wife who who is constantly clamoring to get some information and get more and, you know, the media tend to take uh, notice and so do the authorities. And
0: so it it drifted off the agenda. There was at one point a a fairly heavy trail of of evidence and investigation, but ultimately um, it, it didn't result in a prosecution.
1: Well, it did result in a prosecution. But the prosecution was basically thrown out. The accused person had apparently been held uh, for three days in a guard station without access to a solicitor. And um, the judge who was hearing the case, obviously his lawyers then made a very, he had made, conf- he had said things and they had a confession. And the judge ruled uh, that the Confession was inadmissible because of the circumstances in which he had been held, and because he hadn't had access to a lawyer. And so, basically, without that confession, um, the guards had nothing.
0: And and the story there was indeed linked back to loyalists from Derry. Oh, it did, yeah. The, there, there was no doubt. And
1: uh, the name that had been, I had been told late at night in the Longford arms and I had scribbled down in a notebook very hastily
0: um, yes it was the same name. Okay so um, apparent motive and and perpetrator but ultimately still remains an unsolved murder. What what sparked your recollection of this
1: story? It still resonated with me kind of over the years and um, I often thought about it but I probably was in the back of my mind. And one day I went uh, down to Longford and went for a cycle and I ended up going to Ballinamook and I saw a sign for Lega. So I said, God, I'll, I must just go over there and see if the shop's still around. And I was going to say hello to the priest, but he has since died. And so then I kept going and I went across the 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 uh, very rural part uh, to clune back and i saw the house falling into disrepair down in a little valley and went into Auchner Cliff and i talked to a couple of people but it had faded from even from folk memory you know it's uh, and i thought that rather sad really but uh, understandable as well because of the mystery involved. And um, so I um, i don't know, I just was thought I must write it up someday and see if it stirs any memory. Um, and a guy did ring me from Longford on Sunday. He said he was out in another village and they were talking about it, but nobody had any memory of it either.
0: And my thanks to Liam Collins. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE News and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.